0: Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. This episode, I will be speaking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and I will get to it at the end of the episode. I'm recording this on January 13th, 2023. According to Pinecast, where I upload my episodes, it has been 11 days since my last confession I mean, episode upload. Um, I don't really remember what I talked about last episode other than Black Adam. That's what the title of the episode is. So I very well may be repeating a lot of what I'm about to say. I guess I should lower the gain a bit. I don't know what I'm doing. Um... For some reason, Audacity was not showing up on my computer. I don't know what that was about, so I re-downloaded it, and everything looks different. It actually looks like an older version of Audacity. I don't know why. I don't know why you would go from normal-looking and then a future update make it look dumb-looking. It just looks... Well, it looks simpler, but at the same time, it looks different. I don't know, I don't like change I don't like I don't think anyone likes change um um back into the swing of things, I guess with work, Amazon breaking my back, breaking my soul um I guess that's about it. Let's see you know in the last episode at the tail end of the last episode, I talked about wall e and I said I liked it quite a bit. And I f- forgot to mention that I have a pitch. So if any of you are um, Robert Iger, listen up to my pitch. Because we all know these days that everything needs an existing IP to proceed as a project, as a work. That doesn't... That's not really true. I mean, wall was not a an existing IP or maybe it was, I don't know. Ratatouille wasn't and I watched it and I'll get to that soon. But you know, once you get a hit, cars cars 1, cars 2, cars 3, Toy Story 1 2 3 4, Incredibles 1 2. Um so I don't know why this seems like such a home run. But why not do a Wall-E prequel where you know every like it shows earth and it shows humans quote unquote thriving and um it just it shows humans on earth going about their business and then you know they throw in some story in there and then by the end you know they've become overrun by consumer consumerism and by and large owns everything that's another thing they have this company in the movie called by and large and they own everything and they the humans become so overrun with consumerism that they end up imploding or exploding and I I wonder if that was Andrew Stanton saying like commentary on Disney uh, That's that was kind of interesting to me I don't think so because why would Disney release that movie? But it seems like they were he was talking about Disney because Disney buying everything and Disney is consumerism anyway. So by the end of the movie, there is so much trash on Earth that they implement this new WALL-E program where these tiny robots have to clean up the Earth, but it's too late and trash has there's just trash everywhere and like the pollution is bad environment is bad and humans and plants and animals can no longer thrive on earth so they have to gather everyone up on a spaceship and leave earth and then leave the robots behind and at the end of the movie there's like a bunch of robots still working abandoned and eventually, there's only one left, and that's Wally, and that takes you to the beginning of Wally. I think that would be a pretty cool movie, pretty cool prequel cool idea. And everyone's all about the existing IP, so I don't. I'm sure it's the idea has come up. I don't know why they wouldn't do it. Wally came out in 2008. It is now 2023. It's probably never gonna happen unless it comes out as a novel novel anyway five minutes in for no reason at all actually i'm gonna talk a little bit about my gaming you know there was one week where i was exhausted from work i finally got to my friday i got home and i was exhausted i didn't want to sleep I was in one of those modes where like, I don't, I don't want to sleep. I don't want to waste away. I don't want to sleep away the day, even though sleep practically can cure most ailments mentally and physically and emotionally. Um, but I just, I didn't want to sleep it all away. So I'm like, let me find a game. Let me find a game to play, to fill in that void. And I was playing, I was like, because my wife recently got me a switch OLED for Christmas and I was like looking through all my games and I think mentally emotionally when, when you're in that mode there is no game that's going to fill that void you're you're just you're searching for something that doesn't exist you're searching for a feeling that doesn't exist you, you're just it's like that whale, you keep searching for that whale, and even when you get that whale, you want to let that whale go so you can search for it again. I think that was the end of Ice Age 3. The Lost Age of Mammoths. Um. Anyway, I was going through my catalog, and like, I purchased two copies of Crisis Core Final Fantasy Seven, not because I am rich, but because I am bad with money and I am bad with credit card usage. So I bought one for Switch, and I bought one for PS5. I was looking at the specs. I think the kids call it specs these days. And the apparently the Switch specs... I don't even know if specs are the right word, but apparently the, the quality of the Switch image is significantly lower than the PS5. And I know a lot of the gamers are like, well, duh... PS5 is next gen and Switch is not, but I was surprised at how different they were, and as much as I want to play Crisis Core portably, I'm like I don't want to play through the game with bad quality. So I've been slowly playing through um, Crisis Core on PS5. There's there's some talk on the internet about the voice acting and here here's the thing it's it's tough to choose to it's tough shoes to to follow Rick gomez he's not some you know veteran voice actor he's not some great actor who's won a bunch of awards, but you play through that crisis core game and he did an excellent, excellent, amazing job. He was just the perfect voice for that part and you know, I don't I don't know where they went wrong because I, I love the old voice, you know, there's still there are still people out there petitioning for the legacy Final Fantasy Advent Advent Children voice acting. And I get it because when I heard they were recasting, I was upset too because I thought Steve Burton was excellent. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook's one of my favorite people in the world. I love her as Tifa. George Newbern, I mean, come on. And when I started playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, I thought to myself, "I think they made the right choice because Cody Christian, I think, is perfection in that role. Um, I really like Britt Baron, Brianna White. I love the new cast. Um, and then yeah, I I gotta be honest, I I prefer George Newbern, and I prefer rick gomez but the news act fair is like he almost like doesn't even register it i i think maybe they thought that rick gomez and steve burton sounded too similar which is not really true but maybe they thought rick gomez and cody christian sound too similar because they have kind of a a little grit i i I don't know what they were thinking but they went for a completely other direction for Zach Fair. And, you know, you want to be respectful, but you also want to be honest. And his voice sounds high-pitched and nasally. So I don't... I don't know. It kind of takes you out of the game. It, He's like, I'm not going to do an impression. I was about to, but I'm not going to. And I, I don't know. They just... I don't know how they could nail it with Cody Christian and then they got this other guy. I I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm playing that game very slowly. You know, sometimes I'm so tired and lazy and exhausted. I don't feel like powering up the PS5. I know that sounds idiotic, but it's true. I like the convenience of the Switch, but I'd rather play it on the PS5. And... You know, other games I was looking through. You know, I downloaded Super Mario 3D Stars. I've been playing a little bit of Galaxy. It's a great game. Um, I don't know what to say. I played a little bit of Sheepo, but it was a little hard, a little difficult. <laughs> You know what game I've really been loving right now is Sky Force. I think it's called Sky Force Reloaded. I love it a lot. It's pick up and play. I really love it. I usually love stories in games. And in this game, story is absent pretty much 100%. But it's a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up And I love it. The only issue is I've kind of gotten good at it. So, you know, I, I love the journey, not the destination. And I kind of went through it fast. I'm already, you know, at level 11. And uh, it's so satisfying to destroy ships and tanks. And the sound design is really good. The art design is really good. The game mechanics is really good. I love the upgrading system. It's really fun. And now that I have the OLED, none of the save data exists for my old systems. So everything's reset. And maybe there is a way to import it, but I, I think it's fine. I mean, I, I'm i glad to reset on all my games and start over. Because it's the journey, not the destination. Kayak.com. Um, so I can't remember any of the games, so I'm just going to move on. For no reason at all, I am going to compare Emily in Paris to Ginny and Georgia. My wife was scroll Actually, well, we were I'm pretty sure I mentioned that we were quarantining together on. A, I said together weird during the holidays because both of us got COVID. I got COVID first and then she got it. She discovered Emily in Paris. I don't know why or how. I mean, you see the thumbnail, but I don't know why it took her till now to um, click on it. But she literally binged 20 episodes of Emily in Paris in one day. Now, granted, there's nothing to do when you're quarantining other than eat, sleep, maybe sex it up. We didn't sex it up. I'll just be honest. Um, she binged twenty episodes of Emily. That's two seasons—seasons seasons one and two of Emily in Paris—in one day. And I would pause it, and I would be like, "Can I just look at you for a second? Can I talk to you? Can we take a breath?" And she would be like, "Press play on the goddamn remote," and I'm like, "Can can we just can we take a break?" She's like, press play. God damn it. So that's how she been. And I'm there. I can't be roaming around the house. I guess I could put in my switch and plug in some earphones. But I got to be honest, I was watching the show too. It's not a bad show. And actually, I've only heard from Pat Walsh mostly where he said it was a terrible show. So I had this image of the show where I thought it was terrible and he said that it got all these awards like global gold global golden globes and I think Emmy nominations maybe some wins and he said it was terrible a terrible show so that's what I thought of it and then I watched it and I don't think it's terrible maybe it might be simple like here's the thing about Emily in Paris I think there is no conflict in the show whatsoever and I think that's why it is successful and I wouldn't be surprised if the pitch for this show was hey guy hey gal here's my pitch for a show picture Instagram but it's a TV show I'll say it again Instagram TV show call it emily in paris done deal here's your check um because that's that's how it feels like you got this girl emily played by lily collins who i've never seen act in anything and actually i keep just going off topic um she reminds me a lot of of a lot of women she reminds me of bryce dallas howard she reminds me a little bit of Victoria Justice, but maybe that's just an energy. And also there was an episode of Emily in Paris which reminded me of A Perfect Pairing starring Victoria Justice. She reminds me of Karen Gillian. I'm sure there's other girls as well. But she also reminds me of Nina Sobrev Dobrev. From Love Hard, but I I like her in this show. But anyway, this show is like Instagram if it was a TV show, as I've said for the third time, because you have this girl Emily in Paris, and the goal her the premise is that she is a social, like a marketing manager. Sent over to Paris, and she is sent there to. Help people with their social media. So she's a social media quote unquote expert. So she's posting herself, she's posting, you know, pictures of Paris, of restaurants, of locations. There are, um, I forgot the word, montages of cooking, and that's huge on Instagram as well. And that's how it feels. Just Instagram TV show. A fourth time I've said it. Um, there's these sections where the Asian girl is doing full on music videos in the episodes. Full on music videos where she sings and performs. Sometimes they even put the lyrics on the screen as if it's karaoke. I'm not sure. I don't think I liked it. I didn't mind it, but I didn't. I was kind of like. What does this have to do with the show? But it's maybe some people like it. I actually looked up the Instagram account Emily in Paris just because that's the Instagram account she uses in the show. And um, it has two million followers. That's why I'm assuming the show is a hit. Um, I am a big fan of. Of course, I don't have the Wikipedias up. Damn it. Camille Razat. I think that's her name is. She, I found her to be very lovely in the show. And um the the thing I think the show has no conflict. There was a sequence, I mean how Camille who they call Camille Camille and Emily meet is Emily is trying to buy flowers and the French vendor is like giving her a hard time, a hard term. And then Camille comes out of nowhere, and she's like, um, "No, she wants the good flowers." And um, how was that French accent? And they meet, and then two seconds later, Camille was like, "Hey, I, I, I am going to a art gallery, and you should come with me." And then Emily's like, "Okay, sure." And I thought that scene was so simple and sloppy that I thought it was going to be a trap, similar to that. Movie The Voyeurs, um, because it felt just too convenient. And in The Voyeurs, it actually ended up being a trap. And in this show, it was not a trap, that's actually how they met. And they ended up becoming quote unquote good friends, anyway. Um, their show has no conflict, like any mild conflict resolves two seconds later, and it's just a it's a fun pleasant diversion especially for like uh, for like my wife who was quarantining in our room practically 24/7 to see a TV show where this girl is having fun enjoying herself um sexing it up with good-looking men eating delicious food in Paris I I can see why it's a pleasant and fun entertaining diversion. And um Jin on the other hand my wife binged Ginny in Georgia probably in 2 days. I did not see the first season. The first season I saw two girls that looked very similar in age they might as well have been sisters but the hook was that it was mother-daughter and it kind of took me out of it but this season my wife was binging it and I couldn't I was kind of hooked into the story as well I like Ginny and Georgia as well but there is conflict run amok in this TV show there is some dark stuff in this TV show and uh, like trigger warning there is self-harm in this TV show. So there's no self-harm in Emily in Paris. You know what I mean? Not, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying factually, there is no self-harm in Emily in Paris. There is self-harm in Ginny in Georgia. She was burning herself on her leg. And I honestly didn't know that was a thing. Um, you know, if, when they say self-harm, I am I, I figured it was like cutting herself or whatever, but she is using a lighter to cut herself because she is so, I don't know the right description, Um, traumatized, hurt emotionally. Um, She's hurting inside, obviously, and she needs some sort of outlet, so she resorts to burning herself. It's very intense. I like Ginny and Georgia. The thing is, I... I liked liked the dynamic between Ginny and Georgia. And I kind of wish that the story would just focus on Ginny and the dynamic between her and being half white, half black, having a young white mother and a black father, and, you know, the classmates and the friends, I think they're all fine and pleasant. I I really don't like the aspect of the, the dark past. I don't care about it because I feel like there's enough story and drama with Ginny and her family and her friends. And whenever they cut to the private investigator, like, oh, there's been a, a possible murder in the past... I don't care about it, like to the extent where I like really tune out. I'm like, I don't, I wish this was not part of the show because like I said, I just want them to focus on Ginny and her, and her mom and her family and friends. That's all you need. I don't need the murder subplot, blah, 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 a side note. At one point, this guy refers to this other guy as Chris Pine hot, and you look at the other guy, and I'm like, Chris Pine hot? What the fuck? Um, I disagree. I don't think he's Chris Pine hot. I guess we are not allowed to comment on other people's looks, so um, I'll just leave it at that. Also, um, I I know it was a running joke with like. 90210, how you have these 30-year-olds playing high schools, high schoolers. But I think it's gotten out of hand. My wife was watching I think it's called Never Have I Ever about the Indian American Girl and Her family. And she looks, you know, 16. I looked it up, I think she's 20. And she's making out with a guy in bed who looks to be 40. Um, I looked it up. He's in his 30s, but, you know, rewind three years, and she would have been 17, and he would have still been in his late 20s or something like that. It's getting a little weird. It's getting a little weird. Um, there is There are scenes in... <laughs> Pardon pardon me. I was like laughing slash coughing there. Hold on, I I have some gunk in my throat. There are scenes in Ginny and Georgia where they're supposed to be in high school, but some of these guys look to be in their 30s. And I personally am not exaggerating. Maybe other people think they look younger. There's one guy who appears to have a facial scar. He looks like he's been he's been to like Iraq and back. You know, he's seen some shit. And he's about to have sexual relations with a girl who looks to be 15. So I don't I I don't know if this is a running joke with the casting directors or the producers or or maybe if it's some sick you know, male fantasy thing where you have these older looking men who are not even looking. They're older men making out with younger women slash younger looking women. And I know most of these girls are in their 20s, but they're playing 15 year olds. But these guys who are supposed to play be playing 16 year olds look like they're 40 and in some cases they are 30. I don't know. I I thought it was a little weird. Um but I do like Ginny and Georgia. The season season 2 ends on a cliffhanger. I might even watch season 1 again. I think it's a good show. I don't like the murder dark past subplot. 27 minute mark, moving on. Um, I watched Ratatouille because my wife is... Well, after watching Emily in Paris, my wife is all about that French. Ooh, baby. So we watched Ratatouille. Ratatouille, for me, is one of the least accessible movie Pixar movies to me. I, I don't really know why. Um, I can't pinpoint it. I can acknowledge that it's a good, fun, solid movie but it's just one that I think I've seen it two or three times, and I just can't get into it like I do other Pixar movies. Um, Like, for example, I don't know why I have no issues with toys coming to life. For some reason, it doesn't bother me. But f- But in this movie, a rat... Pulling a guy's hair, controlling his body by pulling his hair, was always weird to me. Um, And even in Up, like, this guy's going to move his house, make it float in the air with a bunch of balloons. That was weird to me, too. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting older. Maybe my ability to imagine and fantasize is is, uh, losing its ability, its potency. I I don't know. I love Monsters Inc., I have no problem with walking talking monsters who scare and make jokes, but you know, a rat because it I don't know, like also like half the movie, Patton Oswald, who does a great job voicing, he's talking to his rat family in in English, and then when he's talking to I forget his name, Emile or whatever. He's talking in squeaks. He's talking, squeak, squeak, squeak. So I I don't know what that was, a rat impression or something. So like, but this movie is supposed to be like a fantasy, right? So why doesn't he just speak in English to Emile? Like, but then that would take away the hook. Well, he would then just tell Emil what to do. I don't know if his name's Emile. I don't know the. That's another weird thing because half the movie Pat Oswalt is is voicing the character, and then half the movie he's not. He can't communicate vocally with the main the other character. Uh, I, I, you know, I think jerine Garofalo plays uh, the French chef. She does a good job. Like, I, I don't, I haven't seen much of her work, but she does a good French accent, according to me. Um, an Americanized, whitewashed, flip Filipino, American, white American Filipino boy. But I'm sure to the French, they're like, it was a terrible French accent. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I, I, the movie is fine but it it's one of the least accessible. I'm not going to say you know there are some Pixar movies I don't really like. I never well I've only seen Brave once and I didn't like it. Um Ratatouille is not like that. I it's a fun pleasant movie but I can't get into it. Can't explain it. Um I watched the first, I I want to watch X Men the cartoon series because I watched it as a kid. I want to watch all of them so I can finally cross it off my list and say I've I've seen every episode. And then every time I watch it, like I I drop off. So I watched episode one, Night of the Sentinels, where Jubilee's running through the mall. I've seen that episode eighty billion times. I watched it on January fourth, and it now it's January thirteenth, and I haven't pressed play on episode two. Um, I used to love that show. You know when they played that theme in "Multiverse of Madness"? I can't, I can't tell if it was cool or not. It might have been a little hackneyed. Is that the right word? Let's move on. I watched the first two episodes of Doom Patrol because um i have been I have become a big fan of Diane Guerrero because of Encanto, and I have that song really stuck into my head. a hurricane of Hakarana's, strangling figs. Hanging vines, and I watched the live version at the Hollywood Bowl on disney plus and i've just I think she's very lovely. I find her to be very lovely, and if you can if you haven't noticed by lovely, I mean she's fucking hot, but I'm not gonna say that she's fucking hot because that sounds rude and derogatory. And potentially offensive. So I'm not going to say that Diane Guerrero is fucking hot. I'm going to say that I find her to be really lovely. So I saw that she was in this new-ish show called Doom Patrol. Even though it came out in 2019. I watched episode 1 and 2. I gotta say it's not really pulling me in. I like her in it. She's playing like a character with... 64 personalities and she i find her to be a great actor slash actress um i like her a lot but in terms of show it's it's not really pulling me in i had to try to watch the pilot twice because the pilot wasn't pulling me in and it you know they're trying to introduce each character and i don't know i feel like it's a weird show um, But Doom Patrol stars Brendan Fraser, uh, Matt Bomer, Diane Guerrero, Alan Tudyk. I don't know. I may or may not continue. Uh, I'm not sure. But we'll see. 34-minute mark. I watched The Banshees of Inishirin. I watched this because Pat Walsh and Joe DeRosa of We'll See You in Hell fame, I recommend you check it out. Um, They're behind a Patreon paywall at the moment, but you can find their old episodes for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And so I watched it on HBO Max. I liked it. I liked it mostly for the comedy. The story is basically about... Two good friends in Ireland, played by Bl- Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, and they go to the pub every day or a lot of days to drink. And then one day, Colin Farrell goes to Brendan Gleeson's. Hey, hey, we're going to. I'm going to the pub. And then all of a sudden, Brendan Gleeson's like, I don't want to go to the to the what a pub. I almost said cub. I don't want to go to the... Oh, my God. I don't want to go to the pub with you. And Colin Farrell's like, what the fuck? Well, no, he's like, why, why not? And um, that's basically the whole movie. And I liked it mostly for the humor, the comedy, because, you know, the dialogue is written real in a funny way. Um, Barry Keogh is in it. He's funny. Carrie Condon plays... Colin Farrell's sister. And so that was my review is basically I liked it for the humor. Sometimes I'm simple in that way. And I recommend you listen to the We'll See You In Hell episode on it because Joe kind of breaks... Like I saw a comment on Wikipedia saying... Uh, it was like a a negative comment saying, like, comparing, like, this movie com- being a comparable. oh, God, I can't speak. This movie being a metaphor for the Irish Civil War is trite at best or something like that. There was some, that's the only comment I, like, I saw regarding Civil War. But Joe totally breaks it down into, like, a huge metaphor for Civil War and I suggest you listen to it because I found his insights to be really interesting and it totally went over my head um, but so basically my review is like I thought it was funny Um, the movie gets real dark in the middle you know all of a sudden Brendan Gleeson says if you keep talking to me I am going to take my shears and cut off a finger. And if you talk to me again, I'm going to cut off another finger. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's intense, but you don't think he's serious. And Colin Farrell can't help. He's like... He can't help but talk to him because they used to be good buds. And I guess Colin Farrell's kind of dim, kind of dumb in the movie. So he continues to talk to him. And then Brendan Gleeson cuts off a finger and throws it at Colin Farrell's door. So he's like, oh my God, he's serious. But Colin Farrell still can't help it. So he continues to talk to him. And Brendan Gleeson cuts off the rest of his fingers and throws it at his door. And then his miniature donkey ends up chewing the fingers, eating the fingers, and choking and dies. It's a spoiler alert. A trigger warning. There is an animal that dies in this movie. It's very sad. And again, Joe breaks it down like wonderfully, beautifully, into a metaphor for Civil War, which I thought was very cool. But I, I recommend the movie mostly for the humor. It, it kind of reminded me of Father Stew, where I I love the comedy parts, and then once it turned into a drama, I was kind of like eh. But in this movie, I love the humor, but when it turned to drama, I wasn't like eh. I still enjoyed it, but I much I much preferred the comedy at the beginning of the movie. But this movie is a lot more. Significant and more deep than I gave it credit for. I might watch it again. I might watch it with my wife. Um, solid movie, and it it makes me want to watch Imbruges, which I've never seen, and I have. I don't know what it's about. Um. So yeah. Um. I watched Avatar, but I don't know if I should save. Talking about that, when I watch the sequel, hopefully I can watch the sequel sometime soon. You know, Pat Walsh said he loved it, and I've been hearing good things about it. I I don't really have much interest in Avatar one or two, but my coworker said I said she my coworker suggested I rewatch the first one. Just to, you know, brush up on the characters and the story, I guess. Um, maybe I'll talk about it briefly now, just because I'm at the 40-minute mark, and um, I don't know. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll leave you in suspense, right? Hello? 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 Anyone here? Um... I watched the first three episodes of She-Hulk. Maybe that'll be an episode. It's fine. Like, I asked my wife, like, what do you think of She-Hulk? And she was like, it's okay. (laughs) And you you can tell when, you know, I can tell when she's really into something or when it's okay. But yeah, it's okay. It's, um, I've never seen Tatiana Maslany act in anything. Well, actually, that's not true. I think she was in Parks and Rec, so I saw her as a periphery... peripheral? Periphery character. And she's fine in this. Like, she's a little cartoony, but she might have been directed that way. I mean, it, it is a... There is some slapstick stuff in it, so it's like kind of a slapstick comedy, I guess. And, um... You know, it's nice to see Mark Ruffalo in there. I started to think like how how expensive it must be to animate the Hulk in all of these TV episodes and animate She-Hulk. Like how long did that take and how much did that cost to animate him in every single episode? Whereas, you know, some movies, some big budget movies have a hard time getting the the CGI right because, you know, they don't have time or they don't have money. But this is Disney we're talking about. Also, I thought it was interesting, like, for example, most TV shows, the title of their pilot, they just call pilot. I don't know if there is a rule about it, but I'm assuming they're like, we're not going to bother naming the pilot and giving it an actual title when we don't know if they'll pick up the pilot. But episode one of She-Hulk is not called Pilot. because I'm assuming it's because it's Disney and they know that they're planning a 10, 12, 15, 20 episodes first season. So episode one is called A Normal Amount of Rage. Um... I just thought it was interesting that they don't call it pilot because they they Disney operates on another level. They don't have to wait for it to pick up. They're already planning um uh, WandaVision whole season, uh, Captain Falcon whatever um whole season, She-Hulk whole season. Um but She-Hulk like there's I I laughed a few times. It's a pleasant show i uh, i will continue i it's nice to see tim roth in there wong makes an app- appearance um actually at work my coworkers said you need to watch loki because and the next ant-man movie is not going to make sense if you don't watch loki i'm like i started watching loki and it wasn't making sense but I I wanted to watch Loki, but she, I turned on Disney Plus. My wife was like, She-Hulk, you don't want to watch She-Hulk? So we started off with She-Hulk. Anyway, I'm at the 44-minute mark. I better get to Black Panther Wakanda forever. Black Panther we watched in theaters. I liked it generally. Overall, I liked it. Uh, my wife didn't like it. Here here are my thoughts. My wife, when I told her that they announced they're making a Black Panther 2, she scoffed at that. And she's like, why? Why are they making a Black Panther 2 when the actor died? And that was her thought. That was her um perspective. And I don't blame her. And, you know, I I understand the concept of the show must go on. I get it. And, you know, Christopher Reeve got that accident. So they recast for a number of reasons. If Christopher Reeve didn't get in that accident, they would have recast him anyways because it's Superman. And he would have aged out. Or for whatever reason, you know, Batman, you had Michael Keaton, who didn't return for Batman forever, so it went to Val Kilmer. He didn't return for the next one, Batman and Robin, with George Clooney. Christian Bale did a trilogy, and I thought he was great. Now you have Ben Affleck, and you have Cedric Diggory. Uh, roles get recast all the time and I get it you know you don't have to die for it to be recast but you know my wife's saying she brought that perspective and those thoughts and emotions into the sequel because I asked her what did you think of the movie and she was like eh you know she thought it was slow and boring which at parts of the movie it was slow and boring but her mentality is like, I don't really see the point why they made this movie. And I kind of get that, too, because Chadwick Boseman, he was a great actor and he was Black Panther. He was the dude. And, you know, if if he was still alive, he would have done the sequel. But in 10, 20 years, they would have given it to someone else as they do. You know, they're. I'm sure they're going to reboot Iron Man with a new actor. Spider-Man has had three different actors since 2001 or whatever. So it's like, okay, they decide to make a sequel and not recast. So they write his role in the movie. Which, that's another weird move too, because... On the, on the one hand, I get it. You know, out of respect for him, let's not recast. But on the other hand, why not recast him? You know, if you're going to say the show must go on, why write his very real death into this fictional, fake, fantasy, adventure-action movie? You know, like, at the beginning of this movie... T'Challa is sick and dying and Shuri is desperately trying to save him and she can't do it and so she has to like she has to fake cry because her fake brother died and is the mother named Angela Bassett please let me just um Yes, so Angela Bassett has to fake cry that her fake son has died, but you're you can't help but it's it was all kind of very meta and weird because the actor has died and they they hold this f- funeral, so it's like. Spoiler alert, when Angela Bassett's character dies, it's like the <laughs> the emotional impact of that is like it's like almost not even there because Angela Bassett is alive and well and Chadwick Boseman is dead and buried. Um, anyway, despite that, I like the movie, but. It is Black Panther without Black Panther. Th- that's it. That's it in a nutshell. It's almost like this movie, like the producers and Kevin Feige and everyone was like, we all love Chadwick Boseman. We all acknowledge that he was Black Panther and he was the best. And no one can replace Chadwick Boseman at Black Panther. But we're going to try Anyway. That's that's the feeling I got about this movie and watching this movie. So, even though I I enjoyed it and enjoyed aspects of it, I I still have this feeling of like, is this movie necessary? Like my wife thought, did they even really need to make this? And you know, Letitia Wright, I I saw a post on Cora about Letitia Wright where and I don't even know if I didn't even research if this was true but she's she said in the Cora post she posted something about make sure you do your research before you get the vaccine and then people got mad at her and I I started thinking about that Cora post while watching this movie and that's not really fair and I I didn't even look it up to see if it was true or not and if it was true who cares you know she's an actress portraying a character in a movie and that's what I should be focusing on while watching the movie and instead I was thinking about this Cora post about her having allegedly controversial opinions on whatever but that being said like Letitia Wright I thought she was great in the movie but at the same time, like you're, you're thinking like, she's not Chadwick Boseman, like she's not Black Panther, and a, as much as everyone wanted her to be, like, and I don't blame her, I don't blame Letitia Wright. She put on a valiant effort, and she was great in the movie. Um, you know my wife's favorite character, she called her the General. Um. Referring to Okoye, the general, is a cool nickname. And she was great. You know, the, my favorite scene in the movie is when it was on the bridge and Shuri was unconscious on the ground. And this other character, who I will call Iron Man Girl, was, I think, unconscious on the ground as well. Um and the general was the only one left to fight these avatar people. And you can you know there was this big action sequence before with the the car and Iron Man girl flying around and Shuri on her motorcycle and the music is blasting and it's an intense action fight. Then you get to this smaller scene with this fight on the bridge, and the general is fighting them off. The music is cut off, which I thought was a, a good, a really strong decision. There's no music, and you you can really feel the desperation in her, and you can feel her motivation and actions. And she's like, you know, I forget what she said, but she's like, "You you take one step closer, and I will kill you all," and you know. What she's doing. She's defending the lives of these two young girls. And that's her job. That's her life. That's her goal. And that was my favorite part of the movie. Um, And, you know, it was a small part of the movie. It was like a, a, a a small fight between one... Warrior against a bunch of Avatar warriors. And then, you know, there a, a lot of the rest of the movie is CGI to within an inch of its life. And I liked... I actually really liked the um, the villain in this movie. It was the first time in a while that I felt scared of the villain. And the actor is named Tenok Huerta Mejia um, I believe his name is um, Jose Before he left it off he goes by Tenoch Huerta Mejia I thought he was really good, I thought he was intimidating and when he says to Angela Bassett and when he says to Shuri, I will destroy Wakanda and I will kill you I, I believed him and I liked it, like, I was trying to think back to previous villains, like, I'm sure at the time I liked Christian Bale in Thor Love and Thunder, but there's so many of these movies, like, I can barely remember all the characters and all the villains, but I like the villain in this, Um, you know, the water scenes were cool visually it was cool I liked the movie overall but there's a lot there's a baggage with this movie and there's a lot of questions a lot of emotions a lot of ponderances if you will like I feel like I can both think why did they make this movie and still enjoy the movie um i'm i'm not going to say it's one of my favorite marvel movies but um i think the more of these go on it's just my favorite marvel movie is iron man because of how small and simple it was because it was the first one and the more these go on it's only going to get bigger and bolder and grander and you're going to have just like She-Hulk you're going to have these characters crossover and cameo in each other's movies and TV series and I don't know they're they're never going to go back to being as simple and as small as that first Iron Man by definition they can't you know you have one guy who is desperate to to live and survive, so he builds a suit out of steel, using only his brilliance um and then he went from being a pompous asshole to knowing in his heart what he needs to do is right um and you kind of forget all that the simpleness and the smallness of it when you get to these bigger, bolder, grander movies. And it's just only going to get bigger and bolder and grander. And oh, well, and it, I, I've said it before, but it's sad that uh, these Marvel movies, these superhero movies are the only things that get me into the theater. And that's my own fault. Sure. But <laughs> I, I I asked my wife, do what do you want to see a movie? And she said yes. And I sent her a picture of the whale and she thought I was serious but I was like I was joking maybe that shouldn't be a joke but I have no interest in watching the whale in the theater like uh maybe it's a good movie I don't know I have no idea <laughs> um and like I Michael B Jordan I liked him better in this movie in his short scene than the entirety of Black Panther I didn't really love him in Black Panther. Maybe I'll appreciate it on a third viewing, but I thought he was pretty intense in this scene. And, um, I haven't seen Creed one or Creed two, but the trailer for Creed three looks pretty good and he directed it. So I will see that. Um, I, 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 it's about time to for me to check out, but uh, oh, oh, here, oh, here it is. COVID nineteen vaccine controversy. Should I see? I don't want to read this. I don't want to read this to end. Um, this episode. I just want to appreciate her work in the film. I I regret bringing it up. I apologize, but it's she was good in the movie. Letitia Wright And Is it bad that I choose to ignore The controversy and focus on the Her performance Maybe Do I have to care that it's bad I don't have to do anything <laughs> And that's the end of this episode Um, Thank you for listening I I hope you are well I hope your pets are well and thriving. Please take care. Please take care of yourself, and your friends and family. Please don't abandon your friends to the wolves. Um, I hope two thousand twenty-three is a better year for you than last year. I hope you continue to work on your ideas and ambitions and. Try to be there for the others, the other people in your life. Others before self. Maybe I should tattoo that on my dick. Others before self. I'm Asian, so I can only fit OT. I guess that's how this episode ends. Um, Thanks for listening, and say hi to your pets for me.